There are two main ways that I come across classic games. First, reading about them in one shape or form. The second, my darn guests. They have these amazing games that I've never heard of. They make them sound so great that I feel compelled to track a copy down. In this episode, I'll look at the 1970 classic game, Masterpiece, designed by renowned designer Marvin Glass and Christian Thie. I first read about Masterpiece. Then, I read about it again, and, well, again. Finally, I decided to look into it. When I went to its Board Game Geek page, where it holds a 5.7 with 1,700 reviews, I went to the Video tab. The top video was done by Norm Hastings. His 8-minute video convinced me that I needed to track this game down. It also led to me reaching out to Norm to be on the show. And that YouTube video is linked in the show notes. Anyway, Masterpiece has had two major publications in the United States. The first was in 1970. The second was in 1996. Both were by Parker Brothers. Since it's not currently in print, I turned to my two usual ways of obtaining a copy. eBay and the Games Master at a local toy show. The Games Master came through. In Masterpiece, you are an art collector at an art auction. You and your opponents bid on paintings, buy paintings, sell paintings, and inherit paintings. There are 24 paintings total. Once the last painting is owned, the game ends. So what's the catch? Well, when you are bidding on the paintings, they could range in value from $100,000 to $10 million, and you have no idea at the time of bidding. It could even be a forgery and be completely worthless. There is a lot of strategy in trying to buy low, sell high, and lie like a rug to amass your fortune. Welcome back to Lunch and Board Game. I'm your host, Adam Collins, and let's take a look at the rule clarity for Masterpiece. So I have the 1996 edition of the game. The rules are very straightforward and clear. They explain each and every spot on the board, of which there are only eight different types. I was very impressed by the rules. Of course, I'd already watched Board Game Museum's video, which brings us to... Time to explain to newcomers. Eight minutes if you can get them to watch the video. When I bring a new game into the office, I typically post a link in the meeting invite to a video that helps explain the game so people do not come in cold. It kills me that my coworkers at both companies so far cannot be bothered to watch a short video to learn to play. For those of you that suffer the same problem, I'll have you know that way I went over the rules and we completed the whole game in about 50 minutes. The rules take about five minutes to read through, but the eight-minute video does a better job visually relaying the information. Gameplay. To set up, each player selects a colored pawn and places it anywhere on the circular path. It does not matter where anyone starts. The selected spot does not activate. Give each player a value chart. This depicts the distribution of the value cards. Deal each player a random painting and a random value card. It is very important to keep the value cards a secret. You do not want any other player to know how much your paintings are worth 
especially if you have one of the two dreaded forgery value cards. Then deal each player $15 million. The rules say to have a roll-off for first player. Masterpiece elevates this simple roll and move, even though on the surface, that is all the game is. The dice are rolled, the pawn is moved, follow the directions on the space landed. As I mentioned, there are eight different types of spots on the board. Two spaces are auction spaces, the first of which is a bank auction. This space puts up the next painting from the stack up for auction. Each player can bid on it, but each incremental bid must be increased by $500,000. High bidder wins, taking the painting and then the top value card that is unknown to everyone. You could get a good deal and the painting could be worth $7 million or a bad deal and it's worth $5 million. And in both cases, you paid $5 million. Then there are the private auction spaces. These force the player who landed on the space to put up one of their paintings on the easel for auction. They cannot bid for it. This is where the fun begins. Typically, the player would put up the least valuable painting or even a forgery. But if the player only has one painting, then that is the one that goes up for auction. Again, the highest bidder wins the painting and the value card or cards attached to it, paying its earlier owner the money at the high bid. The next set of spaces allows the player to buy a painting from the bank for a certain amount. This could be from under $3 million to over $4 million, depending on the space. As usual, the top value card goes with the painting, and that value is unknown. Then, some spaces allow you to sell a painting to the bank. This first type allows you to sell it for the sum of the value cards if you want to. It is you may space. It is not mandatory. This is a good way to sell a high-valued painting before you're forced to sell it or have it bought from you for $3.5 million, which is also another space on the board. When a painting is sold to the bank, it is discarded from play along with its value card. The player receives the full value. The other selling to the bank space is mandatory, and it requires the player to sell a painting to the bank for $3.5 million. This might be a good deal. Heck, you might even be able to unload that forgery for $3.5 million. It is important to remember, though, this is not a choice. If your painting is worth $10 million, you must sell it for $3.5 million if it's the only painting that you have. Another space could allow you to inherit a painting from the bank for free. You could also, as I mentioned, buy a painting from any player for $3.5 million. Then the last type of space allows the player to either take a value card and add it to any painting that they have, or take $3 million from the bank. This is a great way to make your paintings more valuable. It also makes them a target for opponents to buy from you. When the bank runs out of paintings to sell, the game is over. All players add up their cash and add it to their value cards from their paintings. The highest amount of money wins the game. Don't forget, a forgery is always a forgery no matter how many value cards you might have added to that painting along the way. Replayability With the use of dice, there is always a bit of replayability built in. Shuffling the value cards each game also adds replayability. One game, only one forgery card came out. To fool people, I added two more value cards to it, then sold it. One game, both were in play, and I'm pretty sure each of us were fooled into buying one at least once. I think I had both of them at the same time. This game also tests your memory, as you must try to remember which paintings have been bought and sold from you that are valuable, and which ones are forgeries. Components 
with games that have had reprints, the versions differ slightly. In the original 1970 edition, the value cards are the same size as the paintings, and the game comes with clips to clip the value cards to the painting. In the 1996 edition, the value cards are business card size, while the paintings remain larger, and the clips are no more. I might invest in some clips to make it a bit easier to keep the cards with the correct paintings, as throughout the game, any value card added to a painting remains with that painting until either it is sold or the game ends. The 1996 edition features an easel to set the painting on that is currently up for auction. Personally, I would have preferred the clips to the easel, but no one asked me when I was 14 what I wanted in a game that I would not play for the first time for another 26 years. Yet the easel does look nice, and it is well made. The pawns are standard colored pawns. This could have been and should have been standees of the characters. Each version has six characters with biographies. I just don't understand why they didn't make cardboard standees with the picture of the person in a clip to hold it up. The paper money is very similar to that of Monopoly. The value cards are reminiscent of the chance and community chess cards of Monopoly. The board and dice are of standard quality. Lunchtime Potential The board game Geek page lists the playtime at 60 minutes. I can see that if the dice are against you. The correct spaces on the board must be landed on in order to get all the paintings into play. We have not had a game go past an hour yet. Artwork. So this is twofold, right? The artwork for the paintings is real-life paintings by classical artists such as Cezanne, Toulouse-Lautrec, Remington, Seurat, Van Gogh, and Degas, to name a few. Also, the paintings can change from edition to edition. The art for the game itself is just minimal. Just the middle of the circle and the box art. For my 1996 edition, the box art doubles as the middle of the board. Other versions use a painting from the game to be framed in the circular track. Other. There are no expansions to Masterpiece, and I cannot think of what that would even be. On Board Game Geek, the only thing offered is a person's self-made, self-written list of variants. This person has outlined four variants. Revaluation, set collection, inherit painting, and betting. I have the one sheet downloaded, printed off, and placed in my game's box. I have not played any of them yet. Bang for the buck. Well, this category is hard to judge. I paid $40 for my copy. That seems like a tad bit too much. On eBay, you will not find a much better deal as they typically sell for $35 or so. I just like to support local businesses and shops when I can. I had to change what I was going to say here. After a few more plays, I really enjoy this game and how frustrating it can be. I was so close to winning. There was one painting left. The player to my right landed on buy a painting from any player for $3.5 million. And literally, had she bought any other one of my paintings than the one she did I would have won the game. I ended up losing to her by $2 million. It's moments like this that make this game worth it. Summary. I think I will get my money's worth out of Masterpiece because of its approachability. I think that I will continue to play it because of its strategy and chance that it offers. It behooves you to keep track of which value cards have been discarded with the painting sold to the bank. This will help you make a more informed decision of what is left and your chance of sinking money into a loser painting. Masterpiece is also well-balanced. 
Most games end with two or three people within a few million dollars of each other, and then there's the person that just could not get anything going their way. I personally have lost two games by two million dollars or less. The not knowing and risk taking versus aversion makes Masterpiece a game that I keep coming back to over and over. Some of my more hardcore friends enjoy it because they like to try and read faces poker style. My coworkers, who are not as big of gamers as my gaming friends, enjoy Masterpiece due to its approachability. I personally love it for both of these reasons. Track Masterpiece down. Value is in the eye of the beholder, or it could just be a forgery. You can reach out to me via my website, www.eatlunchandboardgame.com, Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash eatlunchandboardgame, or as usual, you can email me at eatlunchandboardgame at gmail.com. And remember, board games build bridges. When you're gaming, why not be comfy? Go over to supportplayer.org. Click on the cards, pieces, and dice to get some merch. These t-shirts are some of the most comfortable I have ever worn. That's supportplayer.org, and there's a link on eatlunchandboardgame.com.